The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Another dramatic day on Capitol Hill. The squad, the squad looks to expand. Freshman Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and co. Continuing their back and forth with President Trump. I'll bring you the latest on whether or not it's having any policy implications on Capitol Hill. Speaking of Capitol Hill, I am broadcasting live from inside of the House Financial Services Committee room. Just within the last hour, Facebook, day two of its hearings regarding its new digital currency, Libra, has finally concluded. And I'm standing right next to the chairwoman of that committee, Maxine Waters, a Democrat from California. Chairwoman, thank you for making the time. What did you make of the testimony from David Marcus, the chief of Facebook, who's overseeing this digital currency platform? Uh, David Marcus came here today at our request uh, to tell us what Libra is and what Calibri is and what they're planning and why they're in Switzerland, all of those questions that we ask him. I think that he skirted some of the most significant questions. I had asked for a moratorium uh, because we knew nothing about what they were doing and how they were doing it, and so he did not answer the question. He tried to skirt that by talking about how they were going to take time, how they were going to give consideration to all of the questions, et cetera, and ensure that they would not harm consumers, but it was not good enough. Not only did he uh, skirt the question about the moratorium, we specifically ask about regulation and what regulators do he think should oversee them. And I specifically asked about FSOC. And so he did not answer that. He skirted that. Earlier this week, I was at the White House attending that press briefing with Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, and you might be surprised to hear this, but there actually seems to be some agreement, at least in the skepticism that the White House has, that you have, with these digital currencies. You mentioned FSOC, Treasury Secretary mentioned FinCEN. Which regulator will be taking the lead on these digital currencies? At this time, we don't know. Uh, which regulator will. As I understand it, the feds have an advisory committee. Uh, There may be an advisory committee over at uh, FinTech. I don't know. Uh, However, one of the things that we have to know and understand is, what is it? Is it a bank? What is it? (laughs) Uh, Is it a payment system? 
uh, what do they do and how do they do it? And so you can't even decide what regulator uh, would oversee them without understanding what it really is. So what's the next step? And that is truly the number one question that I get when, when, when reporting on this, is people don't even know what these digital currencies are or how the, they will use them. So you as the chairwoman of this committee, what is the next step in this process? Well, as you know, we've got a lot of investigation to do. We're going to have more hearings. Uh, we're going to talk with all of the experts out there who know a lot about cryptocurrency and can tell us about the history of Bitcoin and blockchain and how it's all worked. And so we're going to be learning an awful lot. We're going to have more hearings. And it was requested today by one of our members that we get Mr. Zuckerberg here. And you agree with that? You think oh, he should absolutely. come? Absolutely. He should be here. So you're calling on Mark Zuckerberg to come and to talk about Libra and Calibra. That's one of the things we have to do. This is a big idea that's born out of Facebook. If he's big enough to create an idea that is global in nature, then he should be big enough to come and talk to us about it. Yesterday, when uh, David Marcus testified in the Senate, I put this question to the chairman of that committee, a Republican, uh, Chairman Crapo. I said, would you use Libra? And he said that he doesn't even use Facebook. So same question to you, Madam Chairwoman. Would you use Facebook Libra? All I know is the faith that I have in the American dollar. I love the American dollar. I am concerned about Libra competing uh, with our dollar. And so I am not concerned at all about whether or not I'm going to use Libra as of today. No, I don't know what it is. I don't know how it works. And so I'm satisfied with the American dollar. And I'm very, very concerned about any currency that will compete with it in the way that they talk about cryptocurrency doing. Chairwoman, this is just one of the many important issues yes. that you're working on, Facebook, Libra, the yes. debt ceiling. But I have to ask you yes. about this rhetoric coming from the White House in the past week that has dominated the national discussion, with particularly as it pertains to a member of the Financial Services Committee, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and others like Ilan Omar. What, can you give us an update on where the Democratic caucus stands tonight on the state of that rhetorical back and forth, for lack of a better word? I'm sorry, I cannot. I cannot because I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. As a matter of fact, don't forget, it was two years ago that I asked for his impeachment. I started talking about this president not being worthy, that this president being dangerous, that this president had colluded with Russia, this president had been involved with the obstruction of justice right before our very eyes. So I had deemed him uh, to be not only unworthy, but someone uh, that we had to move quickly to do what the Constitution mandates for us, and that is when you have someone with this kind of description who have acted in the way that he's acted, that the United States Congress should be involved in impeachment. Maxine Waters, chairwoman of the House Financial Services Committee. I appreciate you coming on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm inside of the House Financial Services Committee hearing room where just within the last hour, a hearing concluded with Facebook as it prepares to launch its new digital currency, Libra. I just interviewed the chairwoman of the committee, Maxine Waters, and she gave us the lay of the land in terms of where she hopes to go 
with the regulatory questions surrounding big tech and surrounding digital currencies in the future. But tonight, she also has double duty because just as we speak on the House floor, they are considering a vote over whether to consider articles of impeachment against President Trump. It comes following the latest rhetoric coming from the White House as he has tweeted and given new rhetorical attacks against the squad, as they are calling themselves, for congressional freshmen, led, of course, by Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a Democrat from New York. Here with me for the hour is Alexander Bolton. He is an all-star ace congressional reporter. He was on Capitol Hill following all of the lawmakers around today, and he's seated next to me. And I'm struck, Alex, by whether or not this what they're considering with regards to impeachment. Is this just political theater or do they actually have the votes? Um, I think it's uh, basically a temperature taking within the House Democratic Caucus to see you know, where uh, the members are. I mean, things have evolved so much just in the last few days. And although uh, Trump's tweets over the weekend uh, directing the so-called squad to go back to their to where they came from, the countries they came from, even though all four of them are U.S. citizens, even though three of them uh, were born in the United States. I think that has unified the Democratic caucus that only last week was bitterly fighting amongst themselves on a range of issues. And so by Trump making such an incendiary statement over the weekend, unifying the Democrats, I think he kind of Um, creates more support within that caucus for impeachment. And I think some of the uh, most liberal members, those members of the squad you mentioned, um, they now have more support and more solidarity from fellow Democrats because they were the target of Trump's uh, what Democrats call racist tweets. Alex Bolton's here. He is a senior congressional reporter for The Hill newspaper. We're talking about uh, what has happened and this. It's really captured the attention of the entire country and and it's really ignited a debate over racial rhetoric in the country. Alex, you talked about how this has unified Democrats and it's something we've talked about all week, which is that Democrats were not necessarily fully united. The squad was having differences with Speaker Nancy Pelosi. But to your point, Alex, Speaker Nancy Pelosi said on Wednesday that this had a unifying effect. Take a listen to what Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi had to say earlier today. We were offended that he spoke in such a way about members of Congress, but we're offended that he says that about people across the country all the time. Go back where you came from. And that, by its definition, those words are racism. So Speaker Pelosi saying that those were racist remarks coming from President Trump. But Senator John Kennedy, a Republican from Louisiana, speaking on uh, Fox News on Tuesday night, he disagreed. Take a listen to Senator Kennedy. I'm not apologizing. I do think they're whack jobs. Uh, I don't mean any disrespect, but maybe they think I'm a whack job, but I think they're whack jobs. So it's, it's become a partisan difference, Alex Bolton, congressional reporter for The Hill. Is any of this having any impact on substantial policy debates? Something like, oh, I don't know, the deficit, the debt, the debt limit, the debt ceiling. You know, they've got to get something done on that. Well, you know, it's funny uh, that you have the these very kind of personal uh, tax going back and forth, yet business is still proceeding apace. Uh, talked to a senior uh, Democratic staffer yesterday who said, it's, God, this, it's so crazy here. Uh, 
at the same time that you know Pelosi is calling Trump racist, and then her words are being taken down on the on the House floor, something we haven't seen in years when it happened to Tip O'Neill. Her words are being taken down. She's getting reprimand on the House floor for, uh, you know, speaking personally against the president. I want to I want to touch on that and not to interrupt you, but to just give more context, because last night was fascinating. I mean, it was happening in real time and it was difficult to keep track of. But there was a parliamentary rule that says you can't call the president racist and Republican. I believe it was Collins. Congressman Collins said you're, you're in violation of parliamentary rules of order. Uh, because you called the the president racist, so there was this whole like procedural debate that happened on the House floor. And you mentioned Tip O'Neill. I didn't know this. So uh, Tip O'Neill, do you do you know offhand what that violation was? I don't know. I just I just saw some uh, tra- traffic on it yesterday about uh, you know in uh, 1984 his words were taken down for oh. for saying something you know directly against someone else. I mean, there's a general rule you know in Congress that you address your comments to the chair and you don't a- attack someone's motives or their character. And so. That's out the window. But but to your point, business is still being done as usual when you've got Speaker Pelosi talking to Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin the same day that all of this is going down, uh, negotiating. Well, I think it's interesting. You know, the rule hasn't gone out the window. And so for the place to work, you do have to keep things civil and you yeah. can't attack people's characters uh, and, and and you can't attack you know who they are to their faces directly. So I think that's why that rule is in place. And I think you know this is just a reminder that when you call someone a racist, it's a it's a pretty uh, serious charge. But regardless, be that as it may, despite the chaos and this drama on the House floor, you still have Pelosi negotiating with Trump's emissary, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin, on a caps deal, and they're very close. And so as I was saying. Talked to a senior Democratic leadership aide yesterday who said, wow, what a crazy week, despite all this, you know, back and forth, Sturm and Drang over Pelosi calling Trump a racist. She's still on the cusp of a deal, a budget deal with the president. It, that to me is that, that's fascinating because it, it, the, the debate over rhetoric, the racial rhetoric is is just so intense. I mean, and you know this from being up here. It is it is palpable in the halls of Congress, just that tension. And yet, to your point, business is still being done as usual, and tweets are still coming as usual. I do want to play what Senator Kamala Harris, a Democrat from California, what she had to say about the president's rhetoric. Take a listen to the Democratic presidential candidate, Kamala Harris. Here she is. He's a coward. He's a coward and he's a bully. And he is an embarrassment. That was Democratic presidential candidate Senator Kamala Harris, a Democrat from California, speaking earlier uh, at the Women of Color Roundtable in Davenport, Iowa. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash GreenFestival. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And tonight I'm coming at you live from inside of the House Financial Services Committee hearing room. 
Well, earlier this afternoon, David Marcus, Facebook's chief digital currency guru, testified before the House Financial Services Committee, led, of course, by Chairwoman Maxine Waters. She was very critical, very critical and skeptical, skeptical of Facebook, Libra and digital currencies as a whole, raising a host of different concerns pertaining to privacy, regulations, all of that. And it's why I'm so thrilled to have here sitting next to me. He was at the hearing all day. He was at the Facebook hearing yesterday in the Senate. William Cunningham, he's an economist at Creative Investment Research. He's a blockchain guru, knows all of blockchain. So I'll start there. First of all, how did Facebook do? From How would you grade Facebook's performance in the Senate and the House today? I give them a D plus, C minus. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, well, they should have been better prepared. They should have known what was going to come at them and been able to more effectively explain to the members, both in the Senate side and the House side, what they were doing, why they're not competing with the U.S. dollar, but rather they are seeking to maximize profits for their company. All right, I want to I want to take it there because the one of the final points that Chairwoman Waters raised uh, in my interview with her, but also during the hearing, was the the the, the security of the U.S. dollar. You say that that Facebook Libra which is their digital currency, and that other digital currencies like it are not going to put at risk the U.S. dollar. Why? Well, basically because the technology is so compelling that this technology to make payments will be used. It'll either be used by companies and institutions that are friendly to U.S. interests, and I would include Facebook in that category, or it will be used by institutions and entities that are unfriendly to U.S. interests. So I've got to put them in the category of not being a threat at this moment, at this minute, with respect to the dominance of the U.S. dollar. All right, I'm going to ask you a, a, not a trick question, but I'm going to ask you a little bit of a, a you know a different question. You said that you graded Facebook D plus C minus, and on on how they did. How do you think lawmakers did? And I'm not talking Democrats or Republicans. I'm talking collectively. How did lawmakers do? Did lawmakers on both sides of the aisle do their job during these two days of hearings? Do you think they did their job? Oh, that's a tough question. No, they didn't do their job. I would give them a D. Uh, mainly because of their lack of understanding as to what currency, cryptocurrency is, the lack of understanding of the technology, how compelling it is, and how it is going to be used. If you think about the millennial generation 20, 30 years from now, they're going to be using something like a digital currency. It may not be this one, but, but not to understand that and not to be able to factor that into your questions and your approach to this issue is is... It's damning. It really is. They should have been better prepared from the standpoint of understanding. But at this point, this is what I just find as a reporter really incredulous. It's been like a year. I mean, it's I don't I don't have off the top of my head the first date that Mark Zuckerberg testified uh, following it was. But it was after the, the data privatization concerns following the 2016 election cycle. But when he came to Capitol Hill, I mean, the, really, that was the, the critique of the media as well of lawmakers, which was they on either side is that they didn't really seem fully prepared or briefed or whatever on these hearings. And now it's like, is, is this seriously happening all over again? You know, I think there's a handful of them on both sides who fully understand, but it, it is quite alarming that they're not, that they're not really, when they're mispronouncing it, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. So from your perspective, what's next here in terms of how this goes? Because Chairwoman Waters said she wants Mark Zuckerberg to testify 
directly to this committee. I think they're going to try to get in the way. I think they will be unsuccessful. Once again, the technology is so compelling. You can do so much more with it than you can do with paper money if you've got a phone, if you've got electricity, that it is going to come to dominate. So I think they will try to step in the way. I think they're going to be unsuccessful. I think what you're going to see are guerrilla efforts to utilize this type of technology in a way that's not necessarily as friendly to U.S. interests as Facebook might be. So it's going to continue. Continue. There's, if they can't get uh, approval in the U.S., they'll get approval in Switzerland. If they can't get approval in Switzerland, they'll get approval in Thailand. If they can't go to Thailand, they'll go to Kenya. The technology is simply that great that it allows you to move around. And remember, we're talking about huge global companies with no necessary loyalty to any regional government. You know, but they should. They should. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Wait, so do you think Facebook, from your, you, as, as you knowing this, I mean, do you think Facebook today and yesterday in the Senate uh, expressed that gratitude for being an American company? I think they said they made, the, they made noises that would lead you to believe that they are grateful. They did not make those noises mean anything. And they also did not, this is why I gave them a D. They also did not have a strategy to reinforce, to make that, that, you know, that gratitude real. You know, and here's what they could have done. They could have said, you know what, you're absolutely right. We're not going to register this currency in Switzerland. We're going to do the currency here. You know, it's funny. You say that lawmakers get a D, Facebook gets a, a D, Plus, you said D plus. It's like watching a bad football game. I mean, you expect it's Congress. It's Congress. You know, it's the, the, the lawmakers representing the people. And it's Facebook, a titan U.S. company. And you expect like you're going to get like a Super Bowl of Philadelphia Eagles and New England Patriots type of Super Bowl. What we got today wasn't even like the freshman high school team. It was like it was abominable. I mean, but listen, I talked to Congressman French Hill. He's a Republican from Arkansas. He is in the banking industry. So he's like, I mean, I don't think he'll be offended when I say this. He's nerdy when it comes to this stuff. He knows a thing or two about this stuff. Whether you agree with him or disagree, I'll let you decide. But I interviewed about his perspective on the hearing. And take a listen to what he told me earlier today on Bloomberg Television. Well, it's early. I think the, uh, the Mr. Marcus's main point was this is an idea. We're still thinking about it. We'll take no step to bring Libra to the public until we've answered all the questions in all the jurisdictions where we're going to operate. Right now, digital currencies are largely seen as an investment tool. How would it impact American, the average American consumer in the short term and the long term once it does come to fruition? Well, I think Libra, for example, biggest impact globally would be P2P, peer-to-peer -peer transfers, something you see Western Union doing, remittances between countries. I see that as a principal issue. But for investors and for business people, B2B or C2B, I see it as a way to do an international transaction at lower cost for making a large purchase or whether you're in the commodities markets or the investment markets. The key for us in Congress is, will this money transfer business be fully licensed and will it be fully appropriate from a KYC, know your customer rules under the money laundering laws. So yesterday when David Marcus testified in the Senate, Republicans, uh, just like here in the House Financial Services Committee, were saying, this is the reality. This technology isn't coming. It's here. Democrats are arguing that this shouldn't even ex really exist or that there needs to be much more stringent regulations. 
Is there any agreement or consensus in the regulatory foundation or framework between Republicans and Democrats, or are there just no one's on the same page? Well, I don't think American legislators want to stifle innovation, but I think the issue that Facebook being the face of Libra in America has tainted it. So I think the Facebook angle is what has caused people to ask a bunch of extra questions. If this were J.P. Morgan proposing this or General Electric, it might have gotten a different, more reticent viewpoint. Because of Facebook's issues recently on Capitol Hill and with the American public, it's caused, I think, more scrutiny. Do you trust Facebook to be the to, to, to really be the, the driver of this type of technology uh, as, as it moves forward? Well, Facebook's an innovative company. Facebook's job and all of its partners, it may have up to 100 multinational partners in Libra, is to convince jurisdictions in Europe and the U.S. principally that they have a safe and sound product that will benefit consumers and be done in context with the anti-money laundering laws and our safety about money transfer generally. I've got two more questions for you. The first is, what is the timetable? Is there a timetable uh, about any type of regulatory action to be taken on this type of technology? Well, I think Secretary Mnuchin and the uh, Fed Chairman Jay Powell both have said they want to see the details. And I believe Mr. Marcus is outlining to both the House and Senate, you'll have those details over the next few months leading up to a launch in 2020 or shortly after 2020, but only if they get everything right. All right. And then the last question is, we, we talked about precisely what digital currencies are, but I want to even just dig even deeper. For your constituent and your district in Arkansas, how will they use Libra, for example, to make a purchase in the future? I think uh, it could lower transaction costs in the commodity markets for agricultural commodities. I think it could lower the cost of families sending money home to a third country. Uh, the third or fourth largest part of Mexican GDP is American remittances. 20% of the, of the uh, Honduran GDP is remittance revenue from the United States. So for family connections in the third world that have immigrant families here in the United States, it would be a big issue, I think, at lower cost. That was Congressman uh, French Hill, a Republican from Arkansas, speaking earlier today to me on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm broadcasting live tonight from inside of the House Financial Services Committee hearing room inside of the Rayburn Building on Capitol Hill. Why? Because Facebook. Facebook had day two today of hearings regarding digital currency, its digital currency that it wants to launch, Libra, Facebook Libra, which will be part of Calibra which is the wallet of Facebook. It hasn't launched, and they say they will not launch it, according to David Marcus, the chief digital currency guru at Facebook. They say they're not going to launch it until they get all the questions, and there's a lot of them, folks, all the questions answered by the regulators, by the lawmakers. Anyway, we're talking about that huge story for big tech, the FANG stocks and whatnot. We're also following the rhetorical debate that is continuing to intensify, swirling around the halls of Congress today and continuing at the White House. I'm joined by two political insider all-stars, Alexander Bolton. He is a senior congressional reporter for The Hill newspaper. And also Bill Cunningham. He is an investor at Creative Enterprise 
creative investment research. I apologize, Bill. I apologize for that. And just in the break, we got uh, some breaking news that the House blocked a Democratic member's bid to impeach President Donald Trump amid resistance from Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other Democratic leaders. It was a 332 to 95 vote uh, just within the last half hour, really, the House refusing to advance Texas Democrat Al Green's impeachment resolution, citing the president's tweets against four freshman House Democrats, all women of color, and other comments denounced as racist. I'm reading from the Bloomberg Terminal by my colleagues, Billy House and Eric Wasson. So Alex Bolton, congressional reporter for The Hill, Speaker Pelosi, despite the events of the past five days, still doesn't want to, is still saying no to impeachment. Why? Well, she has said uh, earlier this year that uh, impeachment isn't worth it. It's too divisive to the country. But also, uh, she says that, and she notes the or recognizes the political reality, that for impeachment to work, it has to be bipartisan. I mean, maybe you can squeak it through the House, which is controlled by the Democrats, with simple majority rule. But in the Senate, you need two-thirds of the Senate to convict. And already, Senate Republicans have made it clear that they will quickly quash any articles of impeachment. There won't be much of a trial. It will last uh, maybe only a couple of hours. I mean, they, they have the... Uh, uh, control of the floor. So this isn't going anywhere. And so she realizes that it's going to divide the country and it's not going to result in anything. And so what she said uh, in her press conference to reporters, she said there are six House committees right now conducting investigations. And that's what the serious effort is, she called. And she said, with all due respect to Al Green, the uh, sponsor of the articles of impeachment, what the serious effort is, is the work by the committees to look at obstruction of justice, abuse of power and other potential crimes that could then serve as the basis for articles of impeachment. Bottom line, Pelosi doesn't think the Democrats have enough to go that route of impeachment. Can she continue, Alex Bolton, senior congressional reporter for The Hill newspaper, can Speaker Pelosi continue to get away from this debate that exists within the Democratic Party? Because just last week, as you know, I mean, we talked to the same people. Last week, AOC was criticizing Speaker Pelosi. And that's the, that's the rub around town is that the squad, the squad feels that Speaker Pelosi isn't being as aggressive as they would like to see on the issue of impeachment. So can she continue this, especially now that the squad has been elevated and their their megaphone has been amplified? Well, you know, these are a lot of freshman members. They don't have a lot of experience. And, you know, forgive the analogy, but Pelosi's kind of like the mom. And the kids are crying out for, they want to have popsicles for dinner. They want to eat, you know, chocolate for lunch. I mean, they want to go to bed at whatever time they want to. I mean, they want what feels good now. I think Pelosi recognizes that what feels good now isn't necessarily what's good for the party on Election Day. And so she has a little bit of a longer view. And she realizes that if you go down the route of impeachment now, there's not a whole heck of a lot. I mean, yes, some argue that the Mueller report has enough grounds, but but the public polls don't show that. She thinks if the committees dig into his financial records and some other and other areas that potentially you can develop that overwhelming consensus uh, bipartisan consensus that would be necessary to actually get anywhere with impeachment. But that's what's so fascinating about the debate tonight, which is that they weren't even talking about the Mueller report. They weren't talking about financial disclosures and, and taxes and whatnot. They were talking about the past four days. So is this is this the new normal that every time there is a Twitter temper tantrum, for lack of a better phrase, that the squad is going to say impeach and Pelosi is going to say no? 
Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll probably see this happen over and over again. But on the other hand, you know, I think the Democrats, you know, Al Green, you know, pretty much got slapped down on the floor just now. I mean, 332 to 95, that's a pretty overwhelming vote. Do other people want to go that path? I think we've, I think Pelosi, this is a big victory for Pelosi. She kept her caucus behind her. And so, you know, you're going to have to do a lot better than what Al Green came up with if you're going to get anywhere with articles of impeachment. All right. And this is, this is going to continue. Uh, this is going to continue because I'm, I'm uh, reading a Bloomberg news story from Justin Sink. Just within the last half hour, President Trump escalating uh, the conflict with the squad, referencing uh, uh, Congresswoman Ilan Omar saying, quote, there's a lot of talk about the fact that she was married to her brother. I know nothing about it. I hear she was married to her brother, end quote. That was what President Trump said tonight within the past hour. Uh, Omar, I'm reading from the Bloomberg Terminal now, Omar was elected in 2018. She issued a statement during her congressional campaign calling those rumors, quote, absolutely false and ridiculous. And she went on to say that they were absurd and offensive. Her office didn't immediately respond to a request for comment on Wednesday night. All right. I'm also joined, switching gears now, we've got about less than two minutes left by Bill Cunningham. He's an economist. Uh, So, the other big story today was, of course, cryptocurrency, digital currency. What's next in the next in the in the short term? These Facebook folks, the big tech folks, they're going to stick around on Capitol Hill this week. They're going to be meeting with lawmakers privately. What's their message to to their to the lawmakers? Well, they've got to sharpen their messaging around the social return and the social benefit of uh, of their approach. Remember. Uh, Satoshi created cryptocurrency. You lost, like, no one knows who Satoshi is. Satoshi's the guy who founded Bitcoin. But what's next? Keep it simple for me. All right. So what's next is the legislators are going to try to use FSOC, which is the Financial Stability Oversight Council. FSOC. FSOC. To review this proposal. Now, that's the big tool that they have to be able to put pressure on Facebook. Uh, It's a a regulatory agency that's uh, responsible for the stability of the financial system. All right, so it's the regulators. And respectfully, I don't think it's just going to be FSOC. I think that they're going to be looking at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. They're going to be looking at FinCEN, which is a part of the Treasury arm. That's what Treasury Secretary Mnuchin said earlier. And don't forget about the Fed. The Fed also has a role to play here, which I guess you would argue is FSOC's role. Not to get too wonky in the alphabet soup. We covered it all. We covered it all. Bill Cunningham, thank you. Alex Bolton, thank you. Both of your first times, I believe, on the program. That's it for me. I want to thank Christine Barada, our team in New York, as well as David Sutcher and our esteemed uh, cameraman Harvey, Hurricane Harvey, for all of their help in coordinating this. I'm Kevin Cirilli broadcasting live from inside of Rayburn's House Financial Services Committee hearing room. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th A thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.